From CPRI and the CPRI Knowledge Hub, this is Research Minutes, a weekly look at new and important research in education. Today, we look at education research itself and how the field has responded in the wake of the COVID-19 pandemic. For most education researchers, virtually all forms of educational research, all forms of data collection stop. We welcome UT Austin's David DeMatthews, co-author of a new article detailing the impacts of the pandemic on education research and offering recommendations for researchers hoping to resume their work and possibly transform it in the months and years ahead. The pandemic, in my opinion, and I know in my co-author's opinion, has, has shown some of the best of what educational research can do. Now I see educational researchers having webinars, curating information or developing resources that either researchers or, or practitioners or policymakers can use. So that to me is really exciting. That's right now on Research Minutes. And welcome to Research Minutes. I'm Keith U. Miller, Managing Editor of the CPRI Knowledge Hub. Today we're speaking with David DeMatthews, Associate Professor in the Department of Educational Leadership and Policy at the University of Texas at Austin. Uh, thanks so much for joining us, David. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. So today we're discussing your new study, which was co-authored with David Knight, Pedro Reyes, Amber Benedict, and Rebecca Callahan, titled From the Field, Education Research During a Pandemic. Um, it was just published in Educational Researcher, and it focuses on a consequence of the COVID-19 pandemic that, while certainly not as dire as some of the impacts we've seen on health and instruction, will nonetheless reverberate in American education for some time, specifically the abrupt interruption of ongoing studies, clinical trials, and other educational research, and a, a potential reframing of how we approach that kind of work going forward. Uh, to start, could you just give us a little bit of context? What kind of impact did the pandemic have on education research efforts that were already underway? Well, one of the things that actually started us working on this paper together was a colleague calling me up crying, talking about how school closures has threatened her study, some funding opportunities were changing, and she was about to have to lay off several doc students. Um, and I started to hear similar concerns from other colleagues. Um, across disciplines, and I was also at the time collecting data in a large urban school district, and our access uh, to the school district was suspended indefinitely. And I knew other researchers, uh, they were going through the same thing or similar experiences, and I just felt like there needed to be a conversation about how our community, how our education research community uh, was going to move through this. So. As districts closed, uh, I think for most education researchers, virtually all forms of educational research, all forms of data collection stopped. So clinical trials were stopped, case studies and ethnographic studies were stopped, survey research, and just a broad array of investigations into schools, into district practices, and even into to policy. And, and then pretty soon after that, what we started to hear and at UT and across the country was that universities were closing and researchers performing secondary data analyses using restricted use data, which some of my colleagues typically use. They, they're either locked out of their secure labs or they had to work or send students to work in uh, shared spaces that, you know, would risk folks getting infected with COVID-19. And so it was 
this time where there was a lot of disruption all of a sudden and there wasn't a lot of guidance out there and so we really started to think about what what should we be doing uh, individually as education researchers and also what should we be doing as a as a community who cares about research and views research as an important tool for improving schools in addition to those sort of immediate impacts on ongoing research, um, you note in this article that the pandemic is likely going to have a significant impact on future research. Could you expand on that a little bit? So I think for some researchers, they're going to have opportunities to just pick back up where they left off. And then for others, they're, they're going to have to start over. They're going to have to end their studies with incomplete data. And really, I think depending on the type of research you do, the research designs and methods, fundings, the different opportunities, I think that's going to impact whether researchers are going to be able to continue their work or they're going to have to, to change. I think that the pandemic will also create new opportunities for policy researchers to consider the impact of COVID-19. And so something I, I know that researchers are going to have to think about, particularly those who do longitudinal studies and use longitudinal data, so they're going to have to think about and learn about what happened in 2019, 2020, and, and in this upcoming school year, because the data that's gonna be in these studies are gonna be different. So what I mean by that is, for example, researchers who study student attendance, they'll likely have to know different state policies and how states made changes to their policies on how they tabulate attendance, what missing data might suggest in that state context, and how different states made different decisions related to the way in which they create um, data systems. So I think researchers are really going to have to dig into context a lot more when they include the previous school year and this upcoming school year in their, in their data analysis, uh, in their studies. But then I, I also think so researchers are going to be interested in what the responses were in schools or in districts or in states, how teachers adapted curriculum, how principals engaged in instructional leadership practices, how districts supported students with disabilities and English learner students. And so I think there's a lot of opportunities for researchers to think about the impact of COVID-19 and investigate how changes in schooling affected students. And then lastly, I think there's likely to be um, like labor market implications. So researchers in education who focus on teachers and school leader turnover, um, there's going to be new questions that need to be investigated. Uh, are individuals more likely to retire um, or they're more likely to stay in their positions due to financial uncertainty that's occurring in the future? What kind of labor market shifts within regions occurred? So I do think COVID-19 has also created new questions that we're going to need to, as a community, investigate in order to inform practitioners and policymakers and really understand what's going on in, in public education. So this article actually contains a number of recommendations for researchers who are hoping to do just that kind of work to respond to the pandemic and support public health and educational institutions as we continue to move through and hopefully eventually out of this unprecedented era in American history. Um, we'll discuss your recommendations themselves in a moment, but I'm curious, how did your team come up with them? Well, I think the first thing was just to, to backtrack, we were really intentional about having a diverse group of co-authors. Uh, so each co-author has different experiences and, and different expertise um, in education research. So David Knight has a background in school finance and economics. Pedro Reyes 
uh, studies, school leadership and district leadership, but he was also the vice chancellor of the University of Texas system. And so he has that administrative perspective. Amber Benedict is a researcher in special education who is conducting you know, clinical trials at the time that COVID-19 hit and schools were closed. And then Rebecca Callahan is a, a colleague of mine at the University of Texas who studies bilingual ed, but is also affiliated with the University of Texas Population Research Center. So we have different experiences and different backgrounds and we have different professional networks. And I think just having that diversity first of, of co-authors, uh, it gave us some insights into what is going on across the different sub-disciplines in education research. And from there, what we did was we, we spoke to different into individuals within our networks or we identified individuals who we thought it was important to hear from to gain a sense of what were their most pressing concerns and what did they think educational researchers could be doing to support them. And really, uh, in our initial conversations as a group of co-authors, kind of settled on these two questions. What ways can education researchers right now immediately support public health organizations and, and, and schools and school districts? And there, there was an immediate pressing need there. And then the second question was, Obviously, at some point in time, schools are going to reopen and the typical work of education research is going to happen again. And so when that does happen, how do we as a group of researchers re-engage? So with those two questions in mind, we talked with individuals in, in different organizations and we, we focused on national and state organizations that focused on teacher and school leaders. We contacted individuals who lead organizations in public health and medicine. And we also just wanted to make sure we had you know, some of that balance at the, at the local level and also across rural, suburban, and urban contexts, because obviously context matters so much in education research, and it, it certainly matters with, with COVID-19. And so we tried to just get a, a not necessarily representative group, but just a diverse group of uh, stakeholders who could give us some insights. And so based on these conversations and then our own review of research and policy and, and our own discussions with other researchers, we generated and refined our, our recommendations and responses. So let's jump right into those. I understand your recommendations for researchers fall into a few different categories. Yes. So we initially wanted to focus on those immediate actions. So what can educational researchers do right now or, you know, at the time we were writing the manuscript? And the answer that we found was there was actually some immediate things we were hearing from the field where educational researchers had some of the skills, dispositions and, and networks to support actual COVID-19 research efforts. So public health organizations were looking for support in contact tracing, in data entry, notifying individuals of potential exposure, and then just analyzing and, and cleaning data that's being collected on community transmission. And so that was something that we, we heard from public health agencies. And we even saw that there were at many different universities across the country there were actually calls from medical schools and public health schools asking for volunteers with research expertise to support some of these efforts. And then what I thought was really exciting, and I, and, I, and I see it also in our education research community, but researchers in medicine and public health you know, immediately began engaging in, in research, some of which I think educational researchers had some immediate skills that they could support with. So there were studies being conducted on how healthcare workers were mitigating risk to exposure. 
how organizations were efficiently utilizing PPE, especially considering that there was shortages throughout the throughout the country, and then also how healthcare workers, including nurses and doctors, were coping with stress and burnout in very difficult contexts. And so. Um, I I know personally that there's educational researchers that study how organizations use resources, that study teacher and school leader stress and burnout and how that impacts their capacity to do the job. And so we really saw that there was opportunities for educational researchers to support folks who are doing research on COVID-19 or related to public health uh, organizations. So our first kind of initial set of recommendations was there is some research efforts that educational researchers can get involved in right away that are very specific to COVID-19. Then the second area of immediate action that we identified was what we called synthesizing and translating research. And we saw an immediate need for for states, for districts, and for schools to gain access to, to, to research in order to support them as they were quickly trying to reopen schools, virtually connect with students, and something we heard from our education stakeholders a couple times, and it's a kind of a cliche that you hear often, is administrators were reporting that they were learning how to fly the plane um, while building it. And at the same time, there's educational researchers that have varied expertise, so say around finance or organizational change or distance learning or telemental health. There's this expertise that exists across the education research community. There's literature. Uh, much of which is behind paywalls that maybe practitioners and policymakers don't have immediate access to, especially while they're overwhelmed with the immediate change that they're confronting. And so we identified this is an area where researchers could synthesize and translate research in ways that policymakers and practitioners could really utilize that information. And then similar to that, we found that there's opportunities for educational researchers to almost immediately organize and provide professional development. So they can draw on their background knowledge and expertise, or they can even think about new policies that were emerging where practitioners and policymakers had lots of questions. And so something right away we heard when you know we talked to a superintendent was the Family Educational Rights and Privacy Act, FERPA. So how, if at all, do the rights of students and families under FERPA how might they be different or what might change with COVID-19 and there being obviously concerns about community transition. And then we also heard from states almost immediately when the United States Congress passed the Coronavirus Aid, Relief and Economic Security Act, the CARES Act, that folks in states weren't necessarily sure exactly what they could do with, with that stimulus money. They wanted to know how other states were using it. And so, again, this was an opportunity for researchers with specific expertise to be able to work with states or work with districts to help translate some of these policies and think about how they can effectively respond. So those were kind of the initial set of responses that we outlined. And then we also want to look to the future. We also thought how educational researchers are going to get back into doing the work that, that they do. And so we identified a few other areas where we think research needs to to continue and and maybe even expand. Um, So the first one is obviously there's going to be some long-term outcomes and some equity issues that come about due to COVID-19 related to school closures, resource allocations, whether or not students had access to online learning opportunities, 
So there's going to be a great deal of research and just understanding those equity implications. And so we wanted to emphasize that that research gets done and that large professional organizations have the opportunity to hear that information and, and even inform their, their constituencies. And then lastly, um, but obviously very important to educational researchers is getting back to the existing research that they were doing before. And so we tried to highlight some of the decisions that researchers are going to have to make. They're going to have to decide whether they can make do with the incomplete data that they had due to school closures, or if they're going to have to rerun their studies when schools reopen, um, or if they're just going to have to find new opportunities from here on out. And luckily, some researchers, in part, I think, due to their expertise and how their expertise relates to the situation at hand, have been able to ad adapt in this context. And so as the NSF and Spencer Foundation and other organizations created rapid funding opportunities, there were a set of educational researchers who adapted their, their research agenda to identify and study issues that are related to COVID-19 and education. We usually end these episodes by asking about opportunities for future research, but um, I think uh, we've covered that pretty extensively already in this interview. So instead, I, I'd just like to ask you, um, what do you think the pandemic has shown us about education research? Do you think that COVID-19 has cast the work in a new light or maybe changed the way we should think about research in the months or even years ahead? Yes, I, I think there are some important implications for educational research the pandemic, in my opinion, and I know in my co-author's opinion, has, has shown some of the best of what educational research can do. We've seen evidence that many researchers are really passionate about their schools, their communities, and the health and well-being of students and families. And, and I also see with the killing of George Floyd and the Black Lives Matter movement that educational researchers are using their access to information, their training, their networks to provide policymakers and practitioners, students and families with resources they need to support children. So I think in, in both situations, there have been really excellent examples of educational researchers stepping up and trying to help practitioners and students and families. And to some extent, I think, you know, there's folks who are out there who um, maybe take advantage of an opportunity and make a quick buck with a professional development. But I really do think the overwhelming majority of educational researchers have really took efforts to support schools and support communities. And I'm really excited about that. I think it's going to shape the, the generation of or the future generation of, of educational researchers. And it's pushed, I think, a lot of us to expand our expertise, our skill set, how we communicate information. And so obviously a lot of educational researchers work in academia and they publish in academic journals that are often behind paywalls and are not really um, not always the most accessible venues. And what I've seen a lot of and what has me really excited is now I see educational researchers having webinars, curating information or developing resources that either researchers or, or practitioners or policymakers can use. And even, you know, university faculty thinking about their their graduate programs and undergraduate programs and how they prepare students to work in education. So that to me is really exciting and energizing. And I, and I do hope that the energy that has gone into some of these efforts continues to stay at, at the forefront of the work we do in our, in our research community. 
Well, once again, uh, the article that you just published in Educational Researcher is fantastic, and it contains uh, a great deal more detail in terms of your recommendations for research going forward. So we really do encourage our listeners to go and read the full article. Uh, again, it's titled From the Field, Education Research During a Pandemic. David DeMatthews, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to this week's Research Minutes, presented by the CPRI Knowledge Hub. For more episodes or to subscribe to the series, you can find us at researchminutes.org. To share thoughts on today's episode or to suggest a future topic, you can find us on Twitter at CPRI Hub. That's C-P-R-E Hub. <laughs>